except the word comes back. <laughs> yes. I'm live. <laughs> Good morning. See if everybody jumps on. I think I got the notification thing, the notification thing down, Pat. Okay, good morning, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, it is 9.30. Uh, it's time for another round of uh, Sunday School with Akron Alliance to allow some people to get on and jump on with us. going to play uh, some music from Kirk Franklin, uh, I Smile, uh, which will help us to get on board with everybody else. Good morning, Ann.
Vicky. for being here this morning. That was a little interlude from Kirk Franklin from I Smile, which is a few years back, but that's a that's a great song to get you started in the morning, um, especially when it comes to getting into the mood for worship and praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have uh, some announcements to make just to make sure that we are um, uh, prepared for, for those who are coming to Akron. Uh, we are uh, we are having the service outside in the parking lot in the back of the church. Uh, the weather is slightly cooler today. By the time we get down to church around 11 o'clock, it should be in the around 60 degrees, but it's going to be a little bit windy. Um, so I definitely would recommend that you uh, wear uh, a light jacket at the very least uh, uh, or, or a sweater uh, just to take into account the fact that there's going to be wind, a little bit of wind. Um, it's not going to be. It's going to be very sunny, very pretty outside, but just a little bit cooler. So, think football games. Yeah, think football. Uh, think about dressing up for a football. Um, we won't be out in the in the in the shade too long. Hopefully, we'll have some sunshine to help to temp back any any coolness. So, but just dress comfortably. Uh, you, I think you guys know how to do that. We we're 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 going to do the same thing here. I got my long sleeves on already today, so I'll be ready for it. We do have a missionary conference this next week. We're, um, there will be an announcement about that later on uh, during the uh, drive-in worship service uh, at 11, but that's just to get your head around the fact that the conference is this upcoming week um, and be prepared for that. And there will be a speaker uh, at our church um, next week as well, too, for that. Uh, good morning, Smiths. Good morning, Beverly. And uh, we also, I want to make an announcement too, we, we kind of put a, a flyer out there about Bible studies, trying to find a way to <clears throat> get more Bible studies in during the week. Now, I'm not going to overcommit to that because that's going to solely rest upon me to, to get that done, and we have to still work, manage around a work schedule as well too. Uh, I am already doing a, a Bible study on the second Wednesday of every month uh, that is, in fact, in place for assisted living facilities and you're welcome to join in on those that's on my personal page um, and we will see about other uh, bible studies though for this church uh, we're we're looking into some things that we can actually have the possibility of people being in rooms and being able to be online together uh, which is something that's very exciting uh, rooms pardon me rooms online. rooms online it's rooms online through facebook messenger everybody has facebook messenger if you have facebook it's already there uh, so we we uh, will look into that. We'll circle back with you on that because that is a possibility that we can do something like that. We can all be online together and doing a Bible study, which is the way they are intended to be done. Uh, that's exactly what we want to see about doing. There's been so many wonderful things that we've learned about with technology, and there have been improvements in technology based upon this pandemic that have allowed us to do some things that we never thought we could do. 
And now we're looking at that possibility as well, too, about having a room in Facebook Messenger to actually do Bible study. So we'll circle back with you with details on that when we get closer to that reality. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. Uh, we want to make sure that you're um, uh, contributing to the church. Uh, if you're mailing the tithes and offerings to the church, it's Akron Alliance Fellowship, uh, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Uh, if you're bringing your tithe or offering to the church today, please use the drop box on the side of the church uh, near the front entrance to do that. And that's out there um, up until about noon. I don't think they'll keep it out there too much longer after that. So, um, But make sure that you get that in uh, uh, today if you're coming to church. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and get started. we got Galatians here, chapter 3. Um, and we're going to pray, yes, absolutely. My wife is reminding me to pray, and I think that's always a good thing. Uh, because there are so many things that are swimming around in my head. It's very dangerous. Uh, so uh, we're going to go ahead and pray uh, and get started and look at uh, the book of Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 25. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and just sit quietly and just hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. Lord, as we take a deep breath and just relax into your word, we thank you again for all that you have done for us, all that you have done to instruct us, give us wisdom, to teach us, to encourage us, to bolster us up. And Lord, we know the times that we live in require that we are prepared and ready. And we thank you for helping us with that preparation. Lord, we just give you praise and thanks for all of these things that you do for us. We ask them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The book of Galatians, we're going to go to chapter 3, verses 1 through 25. Please turn to that. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 25. Now, what I found, it's very interesting that... It, in doing a Sunday school or a Bible study, hi Judy, uh, thanks for being here, um, is that I've been giving this to you with the New Living Translation. Now, I don't recommend the New Living Translation as being a primary source of the word because of its <clears throat> dynamic text. It, it is basically for the reading, the readability. It is, it is something that's very important to understand. Um, the uh, people that uh, really recovered um, kind of turned me on to that a little bit more in thinking about New Living Translation. They want uh, an easy-to-read Bible uh, for people to be able to get into the Word and, and, and enjoy it. But um, the English Standard Version or the Christian Standard Bible or the NIV or the Bible text that I would recommend that you would use as your primary source. But this is an excellent source here, the New Living Translation for readability, and that's why I'm using it here today. And because it, it reads more like a letter... Uh, that Paul is <laughs> that uh, Paul is writing to the Galatians. So let's start with that. Uh, let's go to the top. Uh, there's 25 verses, so we're going to rifle through these a little bit and get to that, and so we can get back into the material. Starting with Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell, an evil spell, on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you, as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Verse 5. I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. 
It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. Verse 8. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Verse 10. But to those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is a through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irre irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his own promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Verse 21. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Verse 24. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Okay, that's the entire section, verses three, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 25. 
What you may have seen in all of that, verse 26. Oh, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Oh, just to add that. Finish. To finish that off, yes. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I believe I may cover that next week, but we'll see. Uh, that's fine. But having said that, um, please make a note that um, this particular section, this passage, gives very clear indications about the importance of faith. And yes, the law is involved here, but we understand what the law really is doing here. The law takes into account, frankly, uh, how much we need the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the law gives us information that tells us about how we sin and what sinning we do. Um, let's go back to the top and, and summarize this and go a little bit here and there as far as where we can, we, we can look at some truths involved here. And one of them is very important that we'll get to when we get back to uh, verse 6. But let's start at the top. First of all, let's look at the Galatians and what their situation was and why Paul was writing this letter to them. Um, they had been subject to a lot of false teaching. And that is why in verse 1 he says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? <laughs> um, and, and don't minimize the importance of that. There, there were a lot of people in the, back in the day who did practice magic. Um, that's something that's mentioned in the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, and Acts chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. So we're talking about where uh, Satan was using optical illusions and power to perform miracles to try to deceive the people. Um, remember, this thing called the way was a new thing. And so when we're talking about Jesus Christ and following Christ, and so Satan was doing very good in trying to actively uh, uh, distract people, keep people confused. Uh, keep people confused about the ways of Christ. Um, and so what uh, Paul was doing here was writing to the Galatians and saying that, you know, has someone cast a spell on you? Are, are you are you paying attention to what you really should be paying attention to, but are you being distracted by things that are not helpful right now? Um, one thing I do want to mention is that um, he emphasized in verse 3, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit... Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? One thing that I want to mention about that particular part of the passage is that the Galatians were doing what people do. Um, let's be clear about that. This, this is applicable to any church or any situation where we can get very clever um, when it comes to the gospel. We can get very clever, clever and try to inject things more for our own personal tastes or our own personal preferences that can actually be a distraction from actually focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So even though Paul is kind of getting on their case a little bit about this, he could just as easily get on our case about it as well, too, if we are not focused on the Word. We have to make an effort, a regular effort on a daily basis to get back to the Word, get back to what the Word is saying. The world is going to give us pictures of things, especially today, that uh, are distracting and can be distracting. Um, and I know that my message today, uh, I don't think it's all that controversial, but I, you know, some people might think it's going to be controversial when I talk about it. But the one thing that we have to have as a primary focus is what, yes, what the Word says, but also speak in love to other people. And I think that that's going to be the challenge that all of us have going forward uh, when it comes to life in general. Um, and you can tell it's cold outside because the heat just cut on again. Uh, 
It's very interesting. Um, so let's go uh, further now into verse 5. Let's drop down to Galatians 3, verse 5. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Um, so the Galatians knew, they understood that they received the Holy Spirit when they believed, not when they obeyed the law. But we have to understand something, especially for new believers. There may be some insecurity that comes into play when it comes to what their faith really means. Because having faith can give the impression of being too easy to do. I mean, it's just an easy thing. Well, just have faith. You know, people will say that randomly. Have faith. Have faith. Um, well, what is it to have faith? Well, faith requires, honestly, uh, some concentration. Uh, concentration on the Father. Concentration on Jesus Christ. Concentration on what his word is. It does require some effort. Um, and we need to understand that some believers struggle with this very area. And part of it is because of legalism. They think that they still need to follow certain rules to be closer to God. There are things that we need to understand. We need to always be in the Bible study. We need to always be in the prayer. We need to always be prepared to serve the Lord. But they don't take the place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit and working in our lives. They are complements to all of those things. We need to understand that Bible study is necessary for us to learn. Prayer is necessary for us to be able to communicate with God. But ultimately it comes down to making sure that we are always yielding to the Spirit in all things. Paul was trying to get the Galatians to remain focused on Christ as the foundation of their faith. Focusing on Jesus Christ is always the foundation. He is our firm foundation, as the song used to say. He is the one that we are supposed to be focusing on. And that's what Paul was just trying to remind the Galatians of. We face a lot of distractions. We face a lot of things that try to keep us off of the focus of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul was just getting them back to where they needed to be. You believed, and it was counted to you. Uh, in believing that you would have Jesus Christ as, the, as personal Savior. So stay with that, and don't change your focus on that. Now look at verse 6 in Galatians 3. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. So he was going back to a, a passage in Genesis 15:6. Uh, where it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, he was using that same passage to reflect upon the importance of the Galatians merely just staying with focus on believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, staying right in that area. And let's drop down to verse 8. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. And then verse 9, So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Now let's get back and remind you of something that we talked about very briefly last week as well too. Where, of course, the Galatians were Gentiles. Judaizers were claiming uh, that Gentiles had to become Jews in order to become Christians. And that was something we discussed briefly last week. But Paul exposed the flaw in that argument by showing that real children of Abraham are those who have faith. And so all believers in every age and from every nation share Abraham's blessing. Here's a good question for you. Do you believe 
that you have Abraham's blessing? Do you believe you have this inheritance that's passed down because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer should be yes. And if you lack any confidence in that, I would just challenge you just to go back and look at what the passages say and just perhaps pray about what we're reading right now and understand that this is something that was very, very important for Paul to tell the Galatians is that you don't need trickery. You don't need to do anything fancy. All you need to do is just believe. And we tell people in in, um, <clears throat> in the book of uh, Romans about uh, how people just need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and then they are saved. And that's really all it comes down to. And so you have that salvation, but now that you have the salvation, you also have opportunities to grow in your faith because you trust in him. So we share in Abraham's blessing because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no trickery or there's no nothing fancy about it. It's just a very plain and simple statement. But because sometimes some of us want to be more clever than we should be, we wind up trying to make it out to be more than what it is. And that's the challenge that all of us need to stop doing. Don't do it. Um, stay focused on the basics. Stay focused on what you need to do to stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's what Paul was saying to the Galatians here. The gospel is what is superior here. That's what we're referring to. The good news of Jesus Christ is what we need to focus on. So if we go to verse 10, and this is a continuation of what we just read in verse 6 about Abraham believing God. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, for the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Verse 12, this, is, this way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying a law that a person has life. Now, understand that we've got um, this particular area being a very strong center uh, populated by the Greeks, and so these are all Gentiles. And this is where we see the term of the first Christians uh, being presented in this area, Acts 11:26. Antioch in Syria became the headquarters for the Gentile church and was a Paul's base of operations. And in this base of operations, they were proclaiming a new faith, a new covenant, a new way of speaking, a new way of living that uh, it's not about the law, it's about faith, where a righteous person has life. The law was uh, Old Testament, all prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. And we'll look at that a little bit further on down in the passage because it's important for us to see. We are not under Old Testament law anymore. And that kind of is, is important for us to see. The Old Testament law is there for us to see the nature of what God was declaring to his people to make sure that they did not transgress or that they did not uh, do those things that were outside of what he had proclaimed. But we need to understand that it's all wrapped up now in a neat, tidy bow under Jesus Christ and believing in him. And of course, he is the fulfillment of the law. That's what we always need to remember. The coming of Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of the law that no one could keep well. Because we need a Savior to rescue us from what would be uh, a, a life, an eternal life of separation from God. Uh, we need him to be our salvation. Um, all right, so let's continue further. And that's exactly what verse 13 says. Um, I, I know I read it before, but here it is again. But Christ has rescued us from the curse 
pronounced by the law. So you see the importance of Christ here. The law is not going to do anything for you except condemn you. Uh, but look at what it says here. But for when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. He died on the cross for all of our sins. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So he took that curse upon himself, the curse of our sin upon himself. Verse 14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now, I can imagine how the Judaizers were behaving back then because they thought that they still had power through the law because they uh, were the ones who were introduced to the law. And so they felt if, if anybody else was going to come to Christ, they had to do what they were doing. Well, Christ took care of that and said, no, that's not it at all. It has nothing to do with how you're circumcised or anything like that. It has to do with just believing. And that's something that we need to understand that the Judaizers were like almost jealous or, or wondering, like, how come they get to do this and we don't? Uh, they, how come they can just have faith and we had to do all these other things before? Well, it just goes by what Christ was saying. He wanted the opportunity when Christ says that he wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he means everyone. He means Jews and Gentiles. He means every person. And there's no restriction to that. And there's no restriction. Uh, no law is going to uh, supersede that importance. That's something that we need to see here. Christ Jesus, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he had promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. That was verse 14 in Galatians 3. We have the promise. We need to live in such a way to recognize that we have this promise. Uh, that's something that's very important for us to remember here too. Uh, we need to live in such a way where we have the promise. We need to live differently from the casual individual who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't have any promises of hope, but live in such a way where we do have hope. We don't let something like a pandemic get us down and in the dumps. We aren't supposed to let that happen. It doesn't mean that you won't get depressed. But it does mean that you have hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ. If you have your eternity taken care of, there's no reason to be in any way depressed or upset or, or, or worry about things that you can't control. Um, Jesus Christ has you. And he has had you, and he's not going to let you go. Um, that's something we need to always keep in mind and communicate with other people if they get down in the dumps. It's like, well, you have Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything. And frankly, that's really the, the takeaway when we look at something like this. Um, let's. So now here's Paul, and his wisdom is writing this very same thing. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 15. Go back to verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. Here is an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, <clears throat> as if it meant any descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. Verse 18, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be a result of accepting God's promise, but God graciously gave it to Abraham 
as a promise. It was given as a promise. Frankly, it was given as a gift. It was something that God did on his own in speaking to Abraham because he was showing us before even the law was presented the importance of faith and what that means in your relationship with the Lord and with the Lord Jesus Christ in our case. What it meant for Abraham back then, his relationship with God, and what it means now today in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the same way we can claim Jesus' death as God's provision for our salvation, Abraham believed God in God and his promises, although they would not be made fully evident until centuries later on the cross. So what you're seeing in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, is God's promise to Abraham being essentially fulfilled all throughout the Old Testament through the law when Moses received it, and then eventually when we hear about Christ's coming and his promise, fulfilling the promise that he would come, and now he is the one who is the law that we look to for fulfillment. So there's no conflict, and that's why it says in verse 19, going back to the passage, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham because he didn't need to. But we need to understand that Jesus Christ ultimately is the mediator for us uh, that is being referred to here uh, kind of uh, quietly. But that's what's happening here. He is the one that has to intervene for us because we acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior. He has to be the one to speak for us for this thing that we receive uh, for all eternity. Uh, because, as you know, because we are in sin and we were under the law, we were all going to be condemned under the law without Jesus Christ being the mediator. So what about this law thing real quick? I want to mention this. Um, we're actually doing pretty good with time. I was uh, quite surprised by that. I'm just making sure of that. The law has two functions. On the positive side, what does the law do? What did the law do in the Old Testament? It reminded us about the nature of God and will of God and showing people how to live. He was giving direction. Now, you have to understand something. There was a lot mentioned in the first five books of the Bible about the law and how people, because of our fleshliness, were doing all kinds of things that were wrong. They're just wrong. Um, there was um, uh, rape, incest, um, people you know, having, committing adultery. Um, people doing things with animals they shouldn't be doing. All those things were mentioned. How about that? The very thing that God was mentioning with the law, he was calling to our attention. And doggone it, if some of those things that we talk about here in the law are not things that we have to guard against today. Uh, this is no accident, everyone. This is a very deliberate thing that we need to see and understand that the very things that are mentioned, if you go back in the Old Testament and look at the law and how it's presented to the people, that you can't do this, you shouldn't do that. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts. And we're reminded, if you obey the law, then God is going to bless you. But if you don't obey the law, God is going to curse you. Um, those are very, very clear statements that were made throughout Scripture. And so we see this as a reminder. Now, what does the law do on the negative side? It points out to people's sins. It's not really negative, in my opinion. I, I'm, I'm, re I'm reading something from... Uh, someone's commentary but basically it's not a negative necessarily that people that the law calls into attention our sins but what it does show us though is that it, it is a way that we can't please God 
by trying to obey all of his laws completely because we aren't capable of doing that. Our fleshly nature is incapable of being completely obedient to God. We, we, we sin sometimes we don't even know we're sinning. We do things, we're not even conscious of that. And there were many occasions where they had to have ceremonies uh, in the Old Testament where even when people are sinning unconsciously, they would still have to either uh, uh, kill an animal or, or provide spices or herbs or whatever it is as a, as a gift uh, to make sure that they were being accounted for as far as these sins were concerned. We just cannot live under the law and expect to be guiltless. That's what we need to make sure that we understand here. So God's promise to Abraham dealt with Abraham's faith. The law focuses on actions. And the covenant that Abraham shows with faith is the only way to be saved. So Abraham actually gave us, back in Genesis 15, 6, how God was pleased with Abraham because Abraham had faith. And because of that, he was made righteous. Guess what? When we have faith in Jesus Christ and believe in him and who he represents, we are made righteous immediately. That's the important thing for us to see. He was showing us back early in scripture that this whole thing, this whole concept about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ was not just a pipe dream, not just something random. It was something that was deliberate. It was something that was needed to show us Abraham, in spite of who he was, because Abraham sinned too, everybody. Abraham sinned, Moses sinned, David sinned. Everyone here we're talking about sin, and yet God held them in very high esteem because of the fact of their faith. And that's really what we need to remember. It wasn't because they were any more special people than we were, or we are, excuse me. It's, it's because they had faith. And so we need to understand that that is why we have the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Um, the more that we see that we need the Lord, the more that we see how sinful we are, we know that we need Jesus Christ to have our eternal salvation. We know we need Christ. We know it's a necessity to have Christ. Now, I say this for believers. We understand that. And we have to trust that as we communicate with other people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are also being spoken to through the Holy Spirit. And not just when we're speaking to them, but from then on. I mean, this is something where it's the Spirit... It's the Spirit's responsibility to speak to Jesus Christ, speak of Christ to those individuals. We need to just make sure that we're being kind, we're being thoughtful, we're being um, respectful, <clears throat> we're speaking in such a way where we're showing the love of Christ and what we're doing. And I'm going to mention this in the, in the sermon later today, too. <clears throat> this has nothing to do with a person's lifestyle. A person may have a completely different lifestyle than we do. And it doesn't change one bit the message um, that we need to have when we're speaking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're being respectful. We're, being, we're honoring people. And the greatest challenge that we have as believers is making sure that we stay true to our faith. Christ would want us to do exactly that, to be loving to any person that we speak to. We need to make sure that we're doing that very thing. Okay. And so you'll just, that's just kind of a teaser for later on. Um, hello, Ewes. Uh Thanks for joining us today. Um, but let's go back to uh, the passage here and understand that this is very important for us to see. Um, 
verse 21. Is there a conflict then, and this is Galatians 3.21, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin so that we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Believing in Christ is what frees us, frankly. Notice how it says we're made prisoners of sin. And when we talk about sin keeping us captive, sin being the one thing that keeps us um, shackled, frankly, uh, because we don't have any freedom when we're in sin, but we have freedom in Christ because we believe in him. He is the one that gives us his promise of freedom. And so we need to always keep that in mind when we're talking about the love of Christ and speaking with the love of Christ to other people. They have to be, the people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are shackled with sin, and many of the people like that don't realize it. You may not need to, you probably shouldn't, unless the Holy Spirit tells you to uh, use the language, hey, you're shackled in sin. Probably not a, a loving approach, because they won't understand that. Uh, people won't understand that type of rhetoric. We need to make sure that we're understanding that we speak about God's love for us and what he has done for us. You always speak uh, and personalize your conversations with people who don't know the Lord. You have to speak about what God has done for you, what Christ has done for you, what he has done for you because you believed in him. And you can go back as far as mention Old Testament law and all that because that's very important. I think this is a very interesting section of Galatians chapter 3 where it really is speaking to the common person about the importance of having faith, not getting distracted, not being uh, swept aside with unnecessary or vain teachings, um, not allowing for legalism to carry the day, not allowing for people who, and the legalism is in the form of the Judaizers here in this passage, that's um, something we need to see here about obeying laws or obeying rules. So we need to make sure that this is what is important for us to take away from here. Verse 23, back to Galatians 3. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. There had to be ongoing teaching. There had to be an ongoing teaching, even with the people, uh, when the law was in place, uh, as to the importance of following the law. And then we recognize that faith had to come to help assist in that way. So... The last part of the passage here, the law is teaching us the need for salvation. Let's look at it this way. It says, verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer, lead, no longer need the law as our guardian. And that's why I said what I said earlier, that Jesus Christ is indeed the fulfillment of the law. Jesus Christ has given us uh, things that we need to follow when it comes to his word and be obedient to him. If we are obedient to Christ, we are already, we, the law is taken care of. We are doing what we need to do to make sure that we are fulfilling what is being done. Now, the Old Testament law uh, still applies, but it's in the nature of Christ. It's in the nature of following Christ. He has his will for humanity. He has his moral laws. He has his guidelines for living. We can't be saved by keeping that law. We have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? We are blessed beyond measure. We are living in a time where we are able to live under the teachings of Jesus Christ. And we didn't have to go through all of the things that 
they went through an Old Testament law about making sacrifices and making sure that we were being following the Sabbath, doing all those things. Jesus Christ is indeed the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is indeed the fulfillment of the law. That was something that we read about and learn about in the Gospels. And so we need to understand that the guidelines for living that he gives to us are what we need to fulfill the law. And it's because of his salvation that we have eternal life when we trust in him and believe in him. Um, a very, very powerful passage. A very, very well-delivered passage for anybody who's looking at the Galatians who are Gentiles, just like most of us are. I'm not Jewish, so I fall into the Gentile category. And I am blessed beyond measure because of Jesus Christ being the one who is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who gives us what we need. He is the one who gives us the foundation of faith. He is the one who gives us the promise of eternal life. And it just all goes back to how Abraham believed God. And because he had faith in God, he was made, made righteous. And that's what we need to see here as well, too, with what Jesus Christ does for us. So it was demonstrated back in Genesis. And here we are today, and we understand that by believing the Lord Jesus Christ, we have eternal life and salvation. And we have the measures we need for the way to live. Amen? Father, we just thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your truths. We thank you for how you indeed bless us and keep us. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you for, Lord, how you have just showed us the wonders of your grace and mercy in sacrificing for us on the cross that we could have eternal life because you have taken the curse, the penalty of sin, away from us. And Lord, we are challenged to just continue to look to you and not look to the left or to the right, but to focus directly upon you. There are many things in this world that will try to keep us away from having fellowship with you or focusing with you, focusing on you, praying with you, praying to you, having that communication, reading what your word says. Help us in all these areas to remain focused directly upon your word and what you have to say to us. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your very presence today. Bless us and keep us, Lord, as we move forward, as we look forward to the upcoming uh, message, Lord, that is your message and not mine. I pray that you just bless us all and keep us as a church and as a people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to uh, make it down to Akron for the drive-in worship service. It'll be in the parking lot area. Please remember your tithes and offerings. Please remember to bring those if you are bringing those to church. And I just thank you again for being with us uh, again today. Uh, the, on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we get together just to go over the word, what God's word is and what it has to say. And we'll be continuing in Galatians next uh, week. Uh, with another uh, section of passages to look at as well, too. But we just, uh, we're just just very thankful for God's promise. Amen? God has made a promise to us, and he is going to keep that promise because that's the kind of God he is. That's his character. Uh, until next time, I hope to see you again. We'll, um, uh, we'll break away, and we'll uh, get back online uh, for church sometime after 11 o'clock. Uh, but we'll uh, see you uh, in a few little while, uh, a little bit under an hour, about 45 minutes or so. So you guys take care of yourselves, and God bless you all, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here.